worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live, on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' Pregame. All right, it is our college basketball rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We're joined by our friends, uh, first off, founder and lead bracketologist for bracketometry.com, and contributor for the Primetime Sports Network, Dominic Lisi, and then NFL and college basketball contributor to Tease the Dog, Michael Hunter. So how has NIL and the transfer portal um, may have caused the birth of the super teams and instant parity this year? You know, other than maybe, you know, last year's Texas team, I don't don't think there's a ton of super teams that have even really appeared. You know, the Longhorns were, I think, the, the, the... the premier super team of the NIL experiment. Um, and they were disappointing at times last season. And then ultimately, you know, we're, we're nothing come the end of the season. So, you know, instead it's just programs reloading uh, ready-made talent to continue their current success, which, you know, in, in true is helping the same teams that used to just recruit, you know, the top 25 players in the nation from high school. Now they're getting a combination of those 25 players, as well as a bunch of graduate transfers because there's so much attrition they have a ton of roster spots to fill. So, you know, teams like Gonzaga have benefited for years with a, the combination of homegrown talent, grad transfer here and there. And, you know, they're also getting a top recruit here and there. You know, Kentucky continues to pull in the top classes year after year, but it doesn't really have anything to do with NIL because they've been basically paying players the whole time anyway. So I don't think it's as bad as we anticipated it, but I think it can become bad very quickly. Uh, the transfer portal does allow new coaches to not have to rely on waiting for that first complete recruiting cycle to sell their vision as they have in in the past. You have teams like Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Mississippi, St. John's, and even Georgia that have new coaches over the past couple of years that were able to bring in ready-made talent to their program, you know, from the jump. And you've seen those guys hit the ground running. So I, I think the potential is obviously there for programs like Duke, Kentucky, maybe even UCLA to create super teams. If the coaches ever figure out that they can lure veterans away with, you know, big money for mercenaries, it just hasn't happened, but it will eventually for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think just with the amount of money that they're able to give to these guys, it's destined to happen. But at the same time, outside of the NIL, just the transfer portal in general, I do think has created a good bit of parity because in the past, yes. you'd have teams just I get all the top recruits and then some of those guys would end up playing five minutes a game. And now when they realize, hey, I'm not going to be playing a big role on this team, but I'm still a very talented player. They can go transfer one of those mid-majors that normally wouldn't get a a four-star or something recruit like that, and they end up balling out there. So it's certainly creating some parity just for those players being able to leave and instantly play somewhere else. But, yeah, I do see NIL down the road causing uh, some super teams once someone just decides to spend a fortune just to win a championship. Let's release the top 10 of the Rockin' 25, starting with our top five, Houston, Purdue, Tennessee, 
Kansas and UConn. Last week was disaster for these teams, all with losses. Which of these five teams are you losing confidence in? I'll say the one I've not had much confidence in from the get is Tennessee. I don't think they're a bad team. I mean, obviously, these are all top five teams. I just, I'm not seeing it when they're playing the elite of the elite. They lost North Carolina. They lost to Kansas. They lost to Purdue. And those are the best three teams that they've played this year. They have some solid wins. They've beat Illinois, Wisconsin. I guess they're kind of beating up on those second-tier Big Ten teams. We really haven't seen them go out and beat someone else that I would actually consider a title contender yet. And now we also see that they can lose to a bad team as well. Not a bad team, but a a not great team as well. Mississippi State, probably a bubble team. They're just, they're streaky. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they just completely, they they can't make a shot. So I just, they're not going to have that consistency to win six games in March. And we've already seen them go. 0-3 0-3 against other title contenders. Yeah, it didn't take Kulu Smith long to announce that, hey, I'm back last night in the first half. I'm not sure what he had, but it was nearly a double-double. And, and I agree completely. It's got to be Tennessee. You can't play every game at home. Eventually, you're going to have to beat somebody on the road. The Volunteers have beaten Wisconsin, like Dom said, in the second game of the season. But they're 3-4 and four in road and neutral court games this season and just 5-8 and eight in road and neutral court games since 2022. You know, I think this is a program issue, a Rick Barnes issue, kind of a cultural issue. And I know they play in the ACC, which has been, you know, one of the top three conferences over the last five years. But if you're going to be considered a top eight, nine, ten-ish team in the country, you've got to win some kind of game on the road when it actually matters. And it matters in conference play. So we've got to see them start to get that done before you can consider them being a Final Four caliber type team. Well, the next half of the poll, uh, next half of the top ten, has North Carolina, Arizona, Kentucky, Baylor, and Illinois. Who are the players that are making the biggest impact this year and who are not doing what we expected? I think it's pretty clear R.J. Davis is as valuable to his team as any player in the nation, save Zach Eady at Purdue. Davis has completely taken over point guard duties with the defection of Caleb Love. He's averaging a career-high points, assists, steals, and turnovers. He's shooting 95% from the free throw line while also averaging a career-high 4.1 attempts per game shooting a career-high 39.6% from behind the arc. He has a career-best defensive rating. Right now, he is easily the ACC Player of the Year, in my opinion. I'm not sure that is really going to change. I don't think that this North Carolina team would be a top 25 if, if they didn't have him. For a player that's underperformed, I'm going to go Jaden Bradley at Arizona, former top 25 kid, spent last season at Alabama. He's averaging roughly the same minutes in a similarly effective offensive scheme. Yeah, he just can't really live up to the talent that was billed when he was a prep player. He's shooting a much higher percentage, but there's really no volume in in his scoring. I think he scored double figures once this year. If he's somehow able to find his footing in this Arizona offense, then that can really take this team, I think, to the next level and make them a legitimate uh, championship contender. And it's a Rockin' pregame exclusive, the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologist Dominic Lisi and Michael Hunter. So let's break down the Big 12, guys. According to Eric Haslam's Haslam metrics, every team except West Virginia are in the top 100 with six in the top 25. Number 86 UCF did a number on Kansas uh, this past Wednesday holding serve at home. Which teams in the back half of the Big 12 will be dangerous the rest of the year? One answer I'll give you that I think will make you happy is I, I do think Texas Tech, a team that I haven't really had in my projected field and my bracketology updates, is starting to come on strong and can be dangerous <clears throat> down the stretch. Uh, we just saw them win at 
a Texas team that sure hasn't really had any great wins, but that's a very impressive win on the road. And outside of that, they haven't done anything to tell me that they're not a good team. They lost to Villanova, who is completely night and day. They can beat anyone, lose to anyone. And an overtime loss at Butler is the only blemish on their record. So if we can keep seeing the Texas Tech team that just went in and pretty handily beat Texas on the road, they're going to win a lot more Big 12 games and certainly be dangerous potentially in March if they keep it up. Yeah, you know, I got to go with BYU right now if we're looking at the current standings of the Big 12. Certainly, it's it's not a huge shock that we think that BYU is going to turn it around. They're currently 0-2 in the conference, but I think they have a real shot at being around 8-4 and when they play Baylor again in about five weeks. You know, I think they lose at Texas Tech. Lubbock's been a, a pretty difficult place to play for the last few weeks, and, and I think the, the Red Raiders have shown that their quality team, as Dom said, and then probably against Houston. But they have a nice opportunity to win about eight out of their next ten games. Husseini Treor, I know I butchered his name. I apologize. You know, has been back after been back for the last two games after missing seven, I think, five or seven. And they're slowly working him back into the rotation during these two latest losses. He's a pivotal front court piece for Mark Pope and had some huge games early in the season, including a 12.8 rebound four assist game and a big win over San Diego State early. BYU is going to turn it around when they get back to full strength. I think you're going to find them in the upper half of the Big 12 here pretty quick. Which teams in the top half of the Big 12 have shocked you the most so far this year? Yeah, shocked is, is a strange word. Texas Tech has been has a great record, but hasn't really been shocking. Uh, neither has Kansas State or Iowa State because their schedule has been kind of meh. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I guess, the, the, the worst kind of shocking, and that would be for West Virginia. You know, losing a, a legend like Bob Huggins is, is sure to jilt any program. But, you know, this team has talent, legitimate talent in Raekwon Battle, uh, Kirk Creesa, Noah Farrakhan, Jesse Edwards. Uh, granted, Edwards hasn't really played in, or hasn't played in the last five games, but the Mountaineers weren't exactly lighting the world on fire with him in the lineup either. You know, currently they're 307th in the nation in effective field goal percentage, 341st in the, in the nation in opponents' turnover percentage, 312th in three-point shooting percentage, 228th in offensive rebounding percentage. You know, this team is just inexcusably bad for some of the players as they're running out on the court. And I, I guess it's speaks to what Bob Cousins could do with this West Virginia program, or maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, talking a little bit about what their current head coach is capable of. But uh, West Virginia has been shockingly bad. And I'll just go shocking by single game result recently. I, I was certainly shocked by UCF uh, taking down Kansas at home. Um, and mm. in general, I, I'm a little bit shocked that they even have been halfway decent outside of that game. I, I thought coming into this year, they weren't ready for the jump into the Big 12, and they were going to be by far the worst team in the conference, maybe even worse than West Virginia. And, and sure, the the Kansas win is their first notable win uh, to date of the season, but I mean, we saw them lose a competitive two-point game to Old Miss. Really only bad loss is Stetson, and that's a team that I think can win their, their conference. So I'm curious to see going forward if that Kansas win was a total flash in the pan or – this team can actually kind of hang around towards the middle of the conference where they're sitting right now. Yeah, perhaps the most shocking part of this conversation is that we're talking about Big 12 basketball and UCF is part of it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Add that to the shock factor and it really compounds. Well, which Big 12 player has made the biggest difference for their team so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take one of the easy answers and say Kevin McCullough for Kansas. Uh, I'm just impressed with how much of a jump he's made this year. In the last three years in a row, he's pretty much been the same player, averaging 10 points a game three straight years. 
And he's not, he's playing about the same minutes he has. And now I think he's the leading scorer in all the Big 12. Pretty much doubled that scoring output to 20 points a game and is a big part, uh, big part of the reason they're a top 10 team right now. So, yeah, it, it might be the, the cliche answer that many would have. But yeah, I think McCullough has, the increase in his game has changed Kansas in a big way. McCullough's right now one of the top five players in college basketball. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a, you know averaging 20 points. You know, somewhere around six rebounds, four and a half assists, and he's posting career high efficiency numbers all the way across the board, regardless of statistic. And his turnovers are up a little bit, but his usage rate is also twenty eight percent. So, I mean, he's literally doing everything this season. And that one two punch, McCullough and Dickinson, is why I had Kansas at number one this week, despite their recent loss to UCF. It's the Rockin' Twenty Five College Basketball Poll with our Rocketologist Dominic Lisi and Michael Hunter. Which Big Twelve game is the one to watch out for in the next week? Two teams that we've just talked about recently, uh, BYU at UCF, is one that I really have my eyes on. I know we said we think BYU can turn it around, but if they lose this one, then it might start looking like the wheels are falling off and they were really fraudulent out of the start. And hey, maybe UCF actually is doing something there. I think it's a big turning point game for both teams. BYU wins. All right, they're back on track. They're still a good team. UCF had one fluke win. UCF wins this one. I'm worried about BYU, and and maybe UCF's actually a team to keep watching out for. So just definitely see a lot of storylines coming from that one, no matter which way it goes. Yeah, for me, it's going to be Texas Christian, I think, is the team to watch this week. You know, the knock on the Horton Frogs has been, you know, what their schedule was early on, which wasn't very impressive. You know, then it was they couldn't beat quality teams on their schedule, which wasn't entirely their fault because they had to play five on eight when they took on Kansas and Lawrence. But then they took down kind of a darling in Oklahoma. Over the next seven days, though, they get to host Houston. They travel to Cincinnati to take on a Bearcat squad that's 10-1 and one at home on the season and is defeating their opponents by over 20 points per game while they're in the friendly confines. And then they wrap up seven-day gauntlet when they host Iowa State the following weekend, a team that just took down number one Houston. So Jamie Dixon's team could prove that they're for real or they could be relegated to pretender status. We'll see in about seven or eight days. Where can people find your work? Follow me on Twitter at Bracket Dom. I'm doing weekly bracketology updates now that January has started. So you can check out kind of where your team is standing, what they need to do to get into the tournament, and post constant updates on games as well, what impact that has on the bracket. And the website is bracketometry.com to see the bracket updates themselves. And you can find me on Twitter at Tease the Dog, D-A-W-G. All right, our thanks to Rockin' 25 voters Dom Lisi and Michael Hunter for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The entire Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at rock101lubbock.com. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, we come back. We're talking Lady Raiders. We're joined by Sibby Barton and Shelby Hilliard from Seeing Scarlet podcast, and they'll uh, break down the Lady Raiders for us next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101.1. 